Over the last decade, the changes in our main towns and cities have been very noticeable with the closure of many traditional businesses, some of which had existed for several generations. And with the decline in these businesses, streets also lost inhabitants, with fewer and fewer people now living over the shop in towns and cities in Ireland. And this has led to some calls for the reintroduction of a living over the shop scheme like ones which exist in the UK and in Northern Ireland. And these are aimed at people who can avail of tax breaks to live over their places of work. You know, the old days, if you needed milk for the baby, you could knock on the door of the clothes shop and someone would come down. You'd knock at your peril now, I hasten to add, but you could get some milk for the child. So I was wondering what's it like for those people who still live over their shop or their place of business. Brian O'Connell visited three businesses to find out and he joins us now. Brian, good morning. Morning, Pat. Um, This scheme in Northern Ireland, how does it work? Well, basically with the scheme, I mean, I think it first came in in the UK and they began to notice, Pat, this change in many towns. So the so-called donut effect, where the development was taking place on the fringes of towns and and the centres of towns, the life has been sucked out of them in many cases. I mean, we've seen it in Ireland, really. I'm in Cork City at the moment. And if you walk down Patrick Street here, places like Merchant's Key Shopping Centre, which would have been a key shopping arcade, really look uh, a lot different than it would have five years ago. And then on the fringes, places like Mahan Pine Shopping Centre are, are are very well established now and very well developed so I don't think Cork is unique I think it's the same places like Limerick uh, and Ennis obviously where I grew up is very similar too So no one living over the shop anymore and in (laughs) fact in those shopping arcades they are locked up so you'd have to get through the security if you wanted to go home that kind of thing if you were out for the night if you did live over the shop Now you mentioned Ennis (laughs) and that's uh, where you went first OD's Bar Yeah it's on O'Connell Street in Ennis and it's not far from the Cathedral Pat and like, I think there are probably a lot of returning immigrants who will call into John O'Dea for a pint and a chat before they see their own parents. You know, it's got that sort of spiritual place within uh, the psyche in Ennis. And it's a lovely old traditional bar. Uh, there used to be a grocer's shop at the front of the bar and that has been preserved. And the bar is at the back. And John O'Dea, he's the owner, Pat, he lives overhead. Now, I asked John first how many business owners he thought were left living on the street. Jack Heaslip, he lives, he's just down at Collins Street. We're the only two people now with businesses that are living over the street. There was an awful lot of people who, uh, with businesses living on the street. Up around this area now, we could pick a hurling team, no problem. We used to play over there in front of the Clare Champion office. There was a big gate there. We used to be hitting the ball off the gate. That was the goal. But uh, we had that more freedom that time. I think there was more freedom around the streets and nobody was worried that much about traffic. We, I'd say everybody up around here got a belt of a bus or a car at some stage, but they were going slow anyway, you know. <laughs> Running after a ball and run out over and get people's hearts being in their mouth. But that's the way you were brought up, you know. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that would like to get into some of the properties, but uh, it's the rates... The rent, the rent, not too bad. You can negotiate the rent with you a lot, but I think the rates are the biggest problem. Sometimes you'll be wondering, does it change that much? When I was very young, there used to be a chip shop not too far away from here, Tuttle's. And there was every Sunday night after a hurling game or something, Clare Castle, Rogue, New Market or something, they'd be above having chips or pints of milk and somebody would say something and there was a row. So I don't think... It, it, probably the fighting changed a bit, different, but... 
where people are going to congregate, I think they're going to, it's going to be aroused. Somebody's going to say something, whether it's about a woman, about a slit, or your man got a pint, or something like that, or a rugby game, something is going to happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's important that people still live in the streets, isn't it? Because it gives, it gives the streets a bit of soul, like if you oh, go, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, it does, the town, it does, it does. Because people themselves are security. Because when you find that there's an emptiness there, there's always vandalism or, you know, but when there's people around, when there's lights going on and off and people going in and out, it's, 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 it's security in itself. There's no more insecurity, you know what I mean? And in fairness, I think it's, it is, uh, it's safer now to live in O'Connor Street than ever before because of the, uh, the cameras and things like that. I feel more safer here than I did 20 years ago. I know some people might say it is a contradiction, but... They're on, they're on the ball immediately with the cameras. Yeah, I find it anyway. And you don't mind that people, some people might say it's Big Brother watching you? Not one bit. They know exactly who I am and what I do and what I don't do. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand exactly why people go into John for a chat when yeah, they come home. He's a beautiful part, use of language. Part philosopher, part barman. Absolutely. Interesting, though, that contrary to what people might intuitively think, that mm-hmm. he actually feels safer today. I know it's not what I was expecting, to be honest, Pat. I mean, I know myself, having grown up in Ennis, there were families there when we were going to school who lived on the street, and some of those businesses are still there. There, but I think the families overhead are gone. Um, I suppose it has to be said there are a lot more towns in the in the town centre now, but a lot of vacant units as well in prime locations, which I would never have seen grown up. Um, the, the apartments that pe- people live in, uh, yeah. in, in over the shops, sometimes you know a big shopping centre might have yeah. on top of it twenty apartments. Yeah, and I know that the scheme that was introduced in Northern Ireland, I mean, that was brought in and it gave s- specific tax breaks for people who up to I think a, min- a maximum of about twenty five thousand pounds, where you might convert a flat uh, overhead or a house uh, at the back of a shop and owner-occupiers then were assisted. I think it would be a really good scheme if they looked to it in Ireland. I know they brought in a limited form of this in Ireland for three years, 2001-2004, but it only applied to cities, Pat. So I think it's something that, that, that we could look at. Mm. I was driving down Georgia Street in Dunleary and uh, there are it appears dozens mm. of empty shops there you know and you wonder if there was an incentive to get people to live over the shop and start a business it might change even the character of that street which uh, uh, can be mm-hmm. sometimes a, a bit challenging shall we say now the second place you travelled to was Middleton and you met a lady who's lived on the main street for half a century yeah, Kathleen O'Reardon, she'll probably kill me, kill me for giving away her age, but she's well known locally, Pat. Her family had a pub and a restaurant on the street and she's probably one of those who's lived the longest on the main street. Uh, she used to do a and b but gave that up a few years ago and she's in her 80s now, but I have to say she doesn't look a day over 70. She raised her whole family on the street and I started off, Pat, just asking her a little bit about how had the street changed over the years and what was it like now compared to when she first moved in a half a century ago? Every family lived over their business. Very few didn't. And um, I remember the fair day. They had the pigs on the main street and they were in front of every shop up and down. And was it safe for children growing up like your children now? Would you? you, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very safe. They walked to school and uh, played in the street and uh, that you couldn't do now. Yeah, you didn't have to worry about cars no, flying up and down. No, no, no. There were no cars when they were younger. Yeah. Are you ever tempted then to move away from the street out into the countryside for yourself? No. No, I was born and raised in the country. I love the town. Why? I don't know the company and everything. I suppose. 
And do you feel safe living on a main street? Some people, if you said to them, you were going to live on a main street as you get older in life, they might think that it is noisy at the weekends, that there's problems with people drinking and all that. Yeah, no, I never, I never hear a thing. I sleep, I, my sitting room is in front. I never hear a bit when I have television on. And tell us about the business then that's down on the ground floor underneath you. Would you know them? Who, who are they? Yeah, I know Chinese. Danny Ho is his name. And they're Chinese. They've been here while we've rented, while I've rented, which is nearly, it's over 25 years. And would you, would you eat Chinese down below? Yes, I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to say her face told a different story there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, the place is quiet though it's very quiet she said after 7 o'clock in the evenings there are very very few people on the street and all of the new people who are living in apartments she said she wouldn't really know too many of them so the sense of community I think uh, there's a disconnect there and uh, you know you rarely street, you see kids playing on the street if you if you drive down the main street Middleton I mean obviously the town has been bypassed uh, in the last few years as well so that's inevitably had an impact Now we hear a lot about the demise of the local news agent or the corner shop and you went to, to Waterford City and you met with one man who's holding on as an independent retailer and he's actually raised his family overhead the business. Yeah, the last statistic I saw, Pat, I think was from the Convenience Stores and News Agents Association and they had, I mean, it was a staggering statistic that about 400 corner shops have closed down here in the last two years alone. So, I mean, they really are a dying breed. Uh, Donald Jacob was the man I met and he's been running a corner shop in Waterford since he was 17 years old. So that's about 30 years I started by asking Donald, Pat, how he first came to run a shop so young and he also spoke a little bit about some of the dangers running a corner shop. Uh, it's just kind of, a, in one way, it's a sad story. When I was doing my leaving cert, both my parents died uh, heart attacks, one just before and one just after the leaving cert. And to be honest, it was that back then it was a case of, we have a job for you, go for it. So the shop was there, take it. I had older brothers and sisters, but they were, they were doing their own thing. They were working on that. An uncle who was very good to me, he worked in the tax office and he helped me along with the books and how to do the books. That was the only hard part. Everything else, cash and carry, serving, that just came naturally. We were I was never known to, to have money, but we were never out of money. If we wanted to go for dinner, we went out for dinner. If we wanted to, we always had a car, I always had money in my back pocket. Actually, when I was 17, I was probably the only young fella in the town who had a car and money and could. And you were saying it's getting harder. In what way? Uh, the margins are gone. Uh, the competition. I mean, people talk about the recession in the eighties. I did. I never knew there was a recession in the eighties. There was about five supermarkets in Waterford. Now there's about twenty-five supermarkets. So they don't help me. <laughs> the biggest disadvantage I see at the moment is during the winter. There's a lot of thugs hanging around. There's a lot of drug addicts. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of nice people, but there's just too many of these that weren't there 20 years ago. And I've been threatened many times in the shop. I've been beaten up. Well, they've got hit as well. <laughs> uh, I've been uh, robbed by life pint, and it just gets to a point where you kind of get fed up of it, like you just had enough. And last year you were saying that, that was, it was one of those years where you... Last winter was particularly uh, bad for that, yeah. That I, I actually went off to a friend of mine and, and did some self-defence lessons because that's how worried I was getting. Two lads came in. Uh, they asked, well, they demanded me to put the money in the bag. <laughs> One of them leaned over the counter and if he did, I, I slapped him a belt. 
but the other fella came at me with a knife so it was time to say hold on a second take what you want I stepped back and rang the guards and they were gone within a minute uh, but it was kind of it was frightening when you saw the knife coming that's when it's when it really hits you like no, this isn't worth it a dangerous business mm, yeah I can and Donald was telling me his wife now won't work in the shop in the evenings anymore um, I, I know that's one of the negatives of it Pat but I did ask Donald if he could talk to me a little bit about some of the advantages of living over the shop uh, going back over the years I wrote down about three or four advantages never late for work <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's snowing or not I'm always on time uh, never run out of milk <laughs> it's always handy <laughs> As a teenager, I always knew all the girls in the in the neighbourhood, the local schools. Even as I was getting older, the, there was a hospital across the road from us, so I dated many a nurse. So there were good advantages. I wonder would they say that was an advantage or a disadvantage? <laughs> I don't know, but I certainly enjoyed my time. After thirty years, I don't love it anymore. I didn't. I did enjoy it over the years, but I don't anymore. The biggest advantage I found, and my parents found, is that. We are a close-knit family. My children come home at lunchtime for their lunch. I get to see them. Like, I mean, not many parents can say that. They're looking for crashes, they're heading off on, driving 50 miles, they get home, their children are in bed. I see my children the whole time. And I will find that the biggest advantage. And in terms of the street here, tell me how the street has changed. It's strange. Like, when I was young, again, I would have known every neighbour every single house going up and they, they were all families the whole way up and I'd say 25 years ago within 400 yards or 800 yards there would have been 10, 15 small shops now I'm the only one left The only one left mm-hmm. by the way no private house on Main Street Newbridge according to one of my callers John Coffey or in High Street in Kilkenny mm-hmm. very very sad I think it's going to be repeated all over the country actually yeah. I've, it's some places that I wanted to visit I found it very hard to get anyone Yeah and, and it won't continue into the next generation no, most of the people I spoke to uh, were saying that there wasn't somebody to take it on for the next generation or if they were to, going to take on the premises, they probably wouldn't be involved themselves. And, uh, you know, I think that's a sad thing, too, that a lot of these businesses are going to be lost. Um, just as an aside on Donal, actually, he has another spring to his bow, which I was slagging him about. He was telling me that he, he was getting concerned over the last years as to what kids were buying in the shop and the type of sweets. And it seemed to be an everyday occurrence. And he was looking at the changing sort of physiques of, of children coming in. So he decided to write a, a book which I have in front of me called Let's Get Healthy. So it's just a little diary pattern. He, he goes into schools and he talks to children about the type of eating habits they should have. I was slagging him because I was saying uh, during the day he's peddling sweets to kids and then at the, at the, in the evening time he's lecturing them on what to eat. So. <laughs> there you are. Anyway, Brian, thanks very much uh, 